Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small, a podcast about brand development, entrepreneurship, and innovation in the modern world. In this episode, I'm joined by Steve Raggiani, co-founder of Aid It, a review application highlighting the hottest food spots in New York City. Steve and his co-founder Joe realized there was saturation in negative food reviews outside of the food alone. Listen how they solved this issue by creating Aid It, the simplistic review application it is today. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small. Today, I'm joined by Steve Raggiani. Steve, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, man. It's a pleasure. For sure. So I want to start out with your upbringing. So where did you grow up, and what was your childhood like? Got it. So I'm the oldest of four. I have three younger sisters. Uh, We grew up in Boston, Massachusetts. my upbringing, you know, food, food and entrepreneurship was a, a big part of my upbringing. My grandparents, they came here from Sicily. They opened up uh, an Italian, uh, Italian clothing store uh, that was okay. in Boston, import, imported Italian clothing. It was called Settebello. Um, that was my grandparents' business coming, coming over from Sicily. And my family owned Italian restaurants my whole childhood throughout New, New England. Okay. Um, so I basically, I basically grew up in a restaurant. Yeah, for sure. Um, I was I was basically like I was the thirteen year old host that sat you at your table. Uh, <laughs> I've I've worked every gig in the joint. I was a busboy, I was a waiter, I was a pastry chef, dishwasher, and I, I worked my way all the way up to a bar manager while I was in college. Okay. Um, and yeah, like all the family functions were in the restaurant, birthdays, Easter, that kind of stuff. My my grandpa, my nonno. He would be like singing Pavarotti to the whole restaurant. Um, and, you know, it's funny, like when I was when I was super young, like 10 or thir- between 10 and 13, uh, my mom always joked about me being a, a, a good food critic because I'd give I'd give critiques to the kitchen and be like, oh, this is different than last time, yada, yada. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's kind of funny how things come full circle because I always thought that was just a joke. For sure. Um, but yeah, like food food and entrepreneurship has definitely been a huge part of my upbringing um so yeah yeah that's awesome yeah yeah so um the family business was this italian restaurant mainly family recipes as well or what did that look like yeah i think it was a mix of you know family recipes but then also you know trending things that were happening in culture for sure um my my dad was a trained chef so like he would kind of create the menu but um but yeah it's more traditional italian for sure yeah so for yourself growing up as a kid did you mainly function inside the restaurant or did you ever venture off into other entrepreneurial things say starting any other brands or products as a kid i was mostly focused on you know what kids normally do having fun playing basketball soccer were my favorite two sports but um the from an entrepreneur standpoint the restaurant was where I really learned that side of the world. Yeah, totally. Business. Yeah. So I saw you went to the University of Maine in 2003. What did you study there? So I studied business administration, uh, mm-hmm. majored in marketing and got a minor in international business. Okay. Um, I was uh, a business student just because I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. Um, my yeah. family really, you know, pounded that home that like, you know, being an artist or being a creative was never um, going to make you a lot of money and you really need to be a business student and understand how business works. So I took sure. their advice on that. Um, and yeah, 
that that was what I did. That was my major. Did you ever get into any athletics or clubs during your time there? Yeah, so I was in a fraternity called Phi Kappa Sigma. Um, okay. And that was an interesting experience because I, I never would have thought that I would, I was the fraternity type. Um, mm -hmm. But what I realized is, you know, you, you make a lot of really great friendships through that, but also um, a fraternity is like a mini business. You, you've yeah, got a president, sure. you've got a VP, treasurer, social chair for events. And uh, I learned a lot from being in Phi Cap. Uh, it taught me a lot about accountability and leadership and politics and all that stuff. Awesome. So I saw in 2006, you also did this thing called the American University of Rome. Uh, can you tell me a little bit more about that and what that experience was like? Yeah, man. I mean, that 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 experience was life changing because yeah. I believe, you know, perspectives are everything and traveling the world and seeing how people live their lives um, is really valuable instead of staying in your own bubble. Mm -hmm. uh, being being half Italian, this was this was a big part of me understanding my heritage on a deeper level. Yeah. And I'd, I'd say like one of the, the biggest highlights from studying abroad, of course, you know, living in Rome and exploring the different food culture there and, you know, meeting different people was great, but visiting my family in Sicily for Easter was just epic. Um, sure. Seeing, seeing the streets where like my nonno and nonna grew up before they came to America to build a new life. Like that was, that was really cool. Yeah, for sure. So the idea of Aid It, for the listeners out there who are unaware, Aid It is a food review app. And you guys founded this in 2018, you and your co-founder, Joe. Could you explain who initially came up with the idea and what was the overall inspiration behind creating this? Yeah, so it's it's really funny because you know, Joe and I, we've known each other for ten, almost 10 years now. We met in advertising. So after I graduated um, University of Maine, I moved to Boston and worked at Mullen. It's one of the best advertising agencies in Boston. Okay. And there was where I met Joe. He was a designer. Me at the time, I was an account guy. And we just kind of naturally gravitated towards each other, became really good friends, then eventually roommates, and just stayed in touch over the years. I moved out to San Francisco. Um, and when I moved to New York um, to come work at Live Nation about four and a half years ago, I was super excited because, you know, Joe lived in New York. He, he went to school here. We got to be closer to each other. Mm -hmm. And um, I was really excited to just dive into the food scene because obviously food is, was a big part of my life. And I just yeah. lived in San Francisco, which is a huge food city. So it was kind of like an open new playground for me. And I was just totally. like, wow, I'm, I'm so ready to dive in here and like try all the best food. And what I ended up doing was what, you know, normal people do like I was in the mood for burgers one day and I went on Google and typed in best burgers, New York. And yeah. when I did that, I ended up first, I ended up in a little like, you know, Yelp wormhole where <laughs> I'm now scrolling through like tons of negative one star reviews of people oh, yeah. like complaining about things that had nothing to do with the burger I was looking for. Like one lady like complaining about the front door being open and it being drafty. <laughs> Um, literally people leaving one star reviews and saying like the service was terrible. The burger was amazing, but the service was terrible and giving yeah. that restaurant one star. And I'm like, I was kind of just like, that's kind of shitty. Like the For restaurant sure. suffers one star and they make great burger because totally, one yeah. person had a bad day. Um, so that was kind of when I switched gears and started focusing more on trusted critics and trusted sources 
you, you see these, you know, best of articles from Eater and Infatuation and the New York Times and Thrillist, you know, ranking their best burgers of New York. But mm -hmm. what I found myself doing is now spending over 20 minutes reading those lists, comparing those lists. This one's number one here. This one's number five on this list. Where is it in relation to where I am in Williamsburg? Yeah. And just like, I felt like a, like a detective, like, you know, when they yeah, have all those sure. strings going on the, the the board and connecting things. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and I was just like, man, this is so complicated. So throughout these this process, I'm texting with Joe. I'm sharing, you know, the different things that I'm finding around the city. Um, and kind of like we're both going back and forth reviewing food over text message. <laughs> and, um, you know, like one day it, it just clicked. Joe and I have a very creative energy between the two of us. So we kind of just like rapid fire texting back and forth. And it was uh, kind of something along the lines of like, yo, like what if food reviews were as simple as a text from people you trust? Yeah. And it, it was just like succinct and trustworthy. And that was it. Like the idea was born over text, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, for sure. So how did you guys then initiate the app? Did you guys have any experience with coding yourselves or was this a further experience following that? Well, it's funny because the, as soon as we, we kind of like landed on like, okay, I think that's something that people need because obviously it's a problem we have. And we started talking to other friends and they're like, yeah, that's definitely an issue. Yeah. Um, our background is working with some of the biggest brands in the world and solving their problems from Google, Airbnb, Adidas, JetBlue. Mm. Um, and we did that for over 10 years of our career at the time. And we said like, okay, like let's treat this like we're our own client. How would we solve this? So mm. we started to just kind of map out a UX that made sense. Like how do we help people go from being hungry and wanting really good food to getting it in like three thumbtacks? And yeah. we just started whiteboarding some stuff, share, like sh using collaborative tools like Google Docs, sharing stuff back and forth, doing, because um, Joe lives uh, an hour and a half north of the city. So okay. um, we'd have these like virtual sessions. We meet up in person and just hash stuff out. And we kind of just got there through mapping out the UX and the flow. Mm -hmm. And we're like, shit, like this is actually, this could work. Um, yeah. And in the meantime, since we're, we're both have a background in creative and marketing, we had the brand names, the logo done, the full creative identity before the product was even in use. Joe, Joe's an incredible designer. And okay. this project was just like right in our, our wheelhouse in terms of tone and energy. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, like that, that was kind of how we got started. Yeah, um, yeah. Now your question was about app development. We don't, we don't know how to code apps. Like okay. That, so you guys that, outsource for that. Yeah. So it's funny how everything comes full circle of we're like, all right, so now we've got the UX, we've got the flow down who can help us make, like, I feel like we need a prototype of some type, some, some sort. So we can like start talking to people about this and see if we're onto something or not. For sure. Um, so I hit up my fraternity brother and friend from college, Dan, who, um, was a computer science major, total whiz and, uh, was, had already started a, a company that was creating websites and apps for um, small businesses in Maine. And, and he had just moved there from Hawaii. And um, he helped us get to uh, a prototype. And then we realized after talking to some people and like seeing their reaction to the prototype, mm -hmm. we're like, we need an MVP. Like we need actually something that people can download because it was only um, able to live on my phone and it, 
it wasn't something that people could just download and and play play along with with their own phone. Okay. So we started looking for the right people, and we were just kind of like asking around friends, networking. Who knows an app developer that can help us? That's not too expensive because I've heard you know horror stories of people paying hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars um, sure. on apps. And obviously Joe and I wanted to make sure that we were bootstrapping this thing and, and doing it as affordable as possible. Yeah. Um, so we ended up meeting a friend of a friend who had a, an app development agency called Triple Two Digital. Um, he was one of the guys that I had interviewed throughout the process and he just got it. Like yeah. we met over Google Hangout and he showed me his phone when I was in the middle of like kind of taking him through the pitch deck and he had a sweet chick sticker on his phone. Sweet chick is a really popular um, fried chicken restaurant in New York. And okay. he had a sweet chick sticker on his phone. And I was like, you get it, dude. Like <laughs> you're, you're a foodie. You get it. Um, totally. So he was, he was great to work with to get the MVP off the ground. And, um, and then since then we've had uh, an investor slash advisor uh, reach out to us through our network that wanted to get involved, put some money in, help us build Android and provide his expertise to kind of bring some of the development skills in-house. So we're yeah, not yeah. spending as much money. So that's where we're at right now in terms of app development. Awesome. So when you pitched to the coder initially, what restaurants and maybe graphics did you pitch to him at this time? Because you guys had to have at least some backing to create a prototype. So was it very minimal at this time? Yeah, we had no backing at that time. It oh, was okay. all just yeah, it was just like Joe and I putting in money that we had saved up um just from life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh and and everything was designed cuz that's you know, that's Joe and I's wheelhouse. So For sure. we had the whole app designed and that was the benefit because a lot of people they have an idea for an app and it's just an idea but they haven't been able, they don't have the chops to actually design every screen within the app and where things should go from a UX perspective. We, we did all that ourselves and then handed that to the developer to just do um, the coding. So, so that was a, definitely an advantage we had. For sure. What did collecting the restaurant names look like? Did you and Joe physically go in and search restaurants in different niches in New York? Or was there a process where you guys can just collect that say automatically yeah I, I wish i could say it was automatically at the yeah. beginning uh, <laughs> but um no it was it was definitely a grind um, for sure we we started out ate it as an it was an excel sheet so oh, while wow. while triple two was working on uh coding everything that we had handed off to them we said okay so how are we going to fill this app with the content we need and it started as a Google Doc between me and Joe, uh, Excel sheet. And at the bottom was a tab for every food type because one of the things with Ada is these are food reviews, but down to the dish level. This is they're not restaurant reviews like everyone else. So yeah, yeah, they're about these are about recommended dishes in New York that you could be craving. So at the bottom of the Excel sheet, we had burgers, ramen, pho, wings, sandwiches, soup like all those things. And within each tab was uh, all the data that we wanted to serve up to people in the app. So to get that, I we were basically just doing what I did at the beginning of the story I told you, mm -hmm. searching best burger 
New York and reading every article and finding that most important eight word review about that specific burger, pulling that out from the article, okay. sourcing the writer from, um, from that article and uh, sourcing a quality photo of that burger and storing all that information into this Excel sheet. And by the end of it, we had a little over 1500 dishes after wow. we'd gone through the initial exercise uh, that got imported into the app when it was ready. Gotcha. That totally makes sense now. That was going to be my branch off of that was, did you and Joe from the start, did you guys do a lot of taste testing yourselves too, to add your own yeah, reviews? I mean, of course, we'd go out to eat and, uh, yeah, and yeah. you know, try some of the stuff because when you're doing that process, you get wildly hungry just looking sure. at food, food reviews and food articles and photos. But um, the, the process was all done digitally. Um, and it was about scrubbing the internet for the, the dopest recos out there. Um, but, you know, the one thing that we did realize through that process is that there's a lot of really amazing small independent restaurants that are making incredible food. Yeah. And they're not getting the credit that they deserve because they don't have the sophisticated marketing and PR budgets and teams that some of these other restaurants do. Sure. So that was a big learning from doing this is like, okay, these places got covered by Eater, Infatuation, New York Times, et cetera. But, you know, there's a spot down the street that I know all the locals like yeah. die for and no one's written an article about them. For sure. And we said, maybe, maybe, maybe we should start filling some of the gaps here. So um, we've started to put in uh, recommendations from Aidit. Um, as a brand to start building that credibility. Um, it's not a, it's not a huge percentage of the reviews in the app. I'd say it's 90% like trusted me, trusted food media. Mm -hmm. uh, but we're starting to, to drop our own little hidden gems in there to start building credibility. Awesome. So what did you guys do? Or what do you guys plan on doing marketing wise to get more, say users to come to the app and review places in New York? Man everything free yeah social media i'm sure um yeah we started we started out um obviously the, the first place we went was instagram um yeah. and we started to put our brand out there and establish our tone of voice and our look and feel and just get people to understand what it is um we also did a lot of guerrilla marketing uh, we created some really fun stickers that we slapped all around New York and really mm. smart placements. It wasn't just about slapping them anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So like, um, you know, popular restaurants where people are waiting in line where we know our target audience is there captive. Um, sure. man, I would do anything. Like if I was on a flight landing in JFK, I would <laughs> airdrop everyone on the flight. Oh my gosh. Uh, a note that said, download ate it. The number one food source you need. Like, That's hilarious. Just like I, we, I would go to the Apple store and change all the phones to eat it. <laughs> like, <laughs> like anything I could think of Oh my gosh! that has, that has no, you know, no budget restrictions. Like let's yeah, go, it's on the sure. table. So, you know, it was kind of that, that hustle and grind mentality to just kind of get it out there. We went to, um, we know foodies all go to these foodie festivals. So you have like Eater was one of the first ones we went to. They held a, a really cool like 3,000 person event that Marcus Samuelson was speaking at. Mm -hmm. um, and I just, I, I printed these really fun flyers that look 
Um, Joe designed them. They were to look like a like an iPhone, okay. and we basically had the UX of the app on one side, and on the back side, we created a special password for people to get into the app that was unique to the event that we were at. Hmm. So. I just bought a ticket as a regular person with uh, my girlfriend who helped throughout all this stuff. And we just went around and just started talking to people like, Hey, what's up? Like, where did you guys, where, where do you guys find out about the best food? And we just instigate conversations and mm -hmm. give them that, that unique password. And um, that was really uh, exhausting. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> like going around and like basically being a street team um, and promoting the app at these, food events, whether it be Eats Con by Infatuation or the New York Times Food Fest or New York City Food and Wine Fest, handing out thousands of these cards with unique passwords on them. And that was that was done intentionally so we could track, track. downloads and where for they sure. were coming from. Um, but it, I think a big learning from us for us from that process was maybe experiential isn't the best way to get downloads. It was great for networking and we met some really cool people and um, you never know what happens when you have a conversation, but yeah, to get, to get a, a large quantity of downloads, it wasn't worth the juice wasn't worth the squeeze. So that yeah. was like, that was one, but um, Instagram for sure. We saw, you know, a few celebrity chefs pick up, pick it up. And when they started reposting about eight, it, we saw big upticks in downloads there. Mm. Um, and then most recently, after uh, joining TikTok, we saw one of the biggest spikes we've ever had uh, in the really? history of Ate It. Yeah, this past August. Awesome. It was it was crazy. We um we were on TikTok before, and we weren't really weren't sure because it had this it had this reputation of being like you know the dancing the dancing app. I, I agree. I joined this summer um after i figured out it's not just the dancing app anymore <laughs> yeah 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 for sure and your your content's great i love it thanks um yeah so like i i started playing around with it you know one of our investors was like hey you guys should seriously like reconsider like you know figuring out how you can leverage tiktok there's a lot of there's a lot of activity happening there and you and the algorithm you know mm. can can help you yeah yeah so i started playing around with it and I noticed there was this feature called the green screen video and green screen. Mm -hmm. So I was like, that's interesting. It's kind of like a virtual background in zoom. And I was like, wait a second. What if I screen record myself using the app, which is a visually pleasing design yeah. and something unexpected. What if I put that behind me and I made it look like I was playing with the app like mm. myself. Yeah. And I did it. I did some like, I picked dim sum. There was like dim sum all over the place. <laughs> and uh, I saw this um, song was trending on TikTok that was from Mean Girls. I'm like, sure, why not? <laughs> Boom, put the track to it, timed it perfectly. But it was like really my first time ever like using that feature on TikTok. And yeah. I posted it like not even thinking anything of it. Like the caption was like noms. <laughs> and like and like someone told me to put the hashtag for you page on it and there's no call to action there was like nothing about that video that like told people it was an app other than like it being behind me yeah and 24 hours go by and my phone starts like exploding and i'm like what is going on here <laughs> and uh joe and a few other people on the team that were helping us were like 
yo, go on TikTok right now, go on TikTok right now. And we go on and the views are just like piling up. Oh man. And Pete in the comments were overwhelmingly positive. Everyone was like, what is this? Oh my God, look, this app looks so cool. We need it in Nashville. We need it in Tokyo. We oh, need man. it in LA. And I'm like, what is happening right now? And then we looked on the back end and we were getting a download every 20 seconds in the app store. Man, that's huge. How many views yes. did that video get? So right now it's 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 either past or approaching 150,000. Okay. So like just from that, and it's still like we get people every day kind of trickling in. But I think the the interesting learning from that is obviously the Gen Z audience is there and they love what we've built. And yeah. that's that's a huge win because they're the future generation of eaters. Totally. Um, but also just like seeing how they operate. Like there was no call to action, like I said. So they went out of their way to like go to the app store and search ate it because there's no link in bio on TikTok. Okay. And they and then when you download it, you need a password to get the app. Yeah. So on the app, when you get to the password screen, it says, if you don't have the password, DM us on Instagram. So they went from wow. TikTok to App Store, App Store to download, download to Instagram and said, hey, can I have the password? The cool Man. thing about what we've done there is now we have that one-to-one -one connection with each of our consumers and we can have a conversation with them. For sure. And the cool thing about Gen Z that I learned from that was like, they're, they're like super thoughtful. Yeah, like, <laughs> like that was commitment. Like thoughtful, like even in how they reached out for the password, like I've had like really rude people before be like, yo, what's up with this password? It's so lame that you have it blocked. It's like, well, we're in beta. So like, that's the reason why. Mm -hmm. And some of these people that reached out to TikTok were like, hey, could I please have the password? I really love what you've built. I wish you the best of success. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> that was really nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, like that was just such a big learning experience for us through TikTok. And from there, we, we continue to make content. So check out the page. It's pretty entertaining. We've, we've had a lot of fun with it, I think. Um, but yeah, like going back to your question of like, what did you do to market the app? It was everything free, guerrilla marketing, Instagram, TikTok, trolling people on Twitter. Like, <laughs> for sure. That's pretty, that's, that's it. Love it. So how can restaurants or can restaurants eventually access the app and then review the reviews that have been d done for their restaurant? So right now the app is in its most simple form and it will evolve um, mm -hmm. as, as we grow, but no, the, the restaurants cannot alter the reviews. They can't adjust them in any way. They don't have a separate login to go to their page. It's not, Yelp, where you can buy your good reviews to the top of the page. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, Yelp has been called out as you know being the digital mafia, where they go to these restaurants and say, "Hey, pay us two hundred dollars a month, and we'll make sure that your page looks top notch and all your five star reviews are at the top." Like, mm, yeah, Aided is is based on fully legit reviews from trusted critics. It's great food only. There's no rating scale. It's a binary system. Was yeah. it was it great or was it not? And if it's not, it's not on aided. So we stand we stand for the the great restaurants that make that top quality food. We're here for them. Mm -hmm. For the ones that make bad food, like they can they can be on Yelp. Yeah, for for sure. 
So what are your plans to monetize the app and what would that look like? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, we get that question a lot. Yeah. Because, you know, Joe and I started this to solve a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, we To solve a problem and look out for the end consumer. And what we realized was, you know, each of those food companies has their own audience, but no one was thinking about the foodie that loves Infatuation, New York Times, Anthony Bourdain, and all those things, mm-hmm. you know? So when we built that, we were kind of so focused on the product and building a community and we still are. It's just around monetization. It was, it was definitely something that caught us off guard. Like we were like, Oh shit, like we have to make money off this. I forgot about that part. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So we've definitely taken that a lot more seriously in the last year. And we've have uh, a few plans modeled out for the future, but the focus for us is really building that community and getting hundreds of thousands of people on this app and, and building that community around trust. Um, sure. what, I, what I can say about the way we'll make money in the future is that we'll never make money off restaurants because they have a hard enough job and just work, live, like growing up in a restaurant, like I told you before, mm-hmm. like there's, it's hard enough to put food on the table as it is. And then you have these people like Yelp coming in, trying to extort them for their, you know, pushing their good reviews. You've got third party delivery apps that have shown up like Postmates, Uber Eats, uh, Caviar, all those guys that are charging the restaurants like up to 30% per check. Some mm-hmm. restaurants basically break even after you after you finish the order. Yeah. So um, that we will not do. We will not yeah, respect that. Off, we will not make money off restaurants. Um, and then secondly, we will not introduce a traditional advertising model to the app. Um, the last thing we want to happen is for Cameron to use ate it and search bur- for burgers and get a McDonald's ad. <laughs> like it's not, it's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, for sure. um, we're really focused on the high quality product that people will eventually pay for. It will likely be some type of freemium slash subscription model. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that'll be where we're focused on monetization. And honestly, there might be other ideas that come up. So if anyone out there listens to this and they have an idea how we can monetize them, all, I'm all ears. Gotcha. So with the model you guys have now, what would you say separates Aidit from the other food review companies? You've, you've mentioned some of the other plans that you, you mentioned, but what are some other differentiating things? Yeah, it's a, um, there's a few. So mm-hmm. number one, when you open the app, everything's sorted by dish. So okay. not cuisine. Cause I'd never, I'd never, none of us would ever say like, Hey, like let's go out to dinner. I'm really in the mood for American food. You'd say yeah. I'm in the mood for a burger. So that's the way that the information is delivered to you when you open the app, it's burgers, mm-hmm. wings, pho, like I said before. Um, so that in itself, just the way that we're organizing the information is a differentiator because you open up every other food app and it's like Mexican, Italian, da 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 da. For sure. Um, secondly, it's the one place you can go for an aggregation of trusted critics. You can go mm-hmm. on Google and read all these articles in one place, but there's no place to get that information distilled down to the one thing that you want to know when you're on the go. So that aggregation piece is another point. The third is each of those reviews is eight words only. And that in itself is, is quite different. Um, yeah. Similar to, you know, back in the day when Twitter launched and they had the 
140 character limit and everyone was like, whoa, what's this? <laughs> it's, it's kind of like a, a different version of that. It's a TLDR for food. Okay. Um, and then lastly, I, I, I'd say the brand and the UX is really unique. Um, Joe and I's expertise in brand building and um, branding design and be, being able to just show the world what this brand stands for and be relatable. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's anything else out there, um, especially in food. Everyone's kind of got this, either got like a really refined approach or um, it's or it's just a, an app out there. You can, so many food apps out there that mm. don't have an identity. They're just like an app buried in the app store, but no one knows what to talk about or how to talk. And yeah. I think, you know, if you go to our site or our Instagram, you see some of the content that we're putting out. It's like wildly different than what's happening in the rest of the food industry. So we think the brand is a core differentiator for what we do um, against the competition. So I think between those, it's, those are the, the key points. Um, mm -hmm. And when you look at the, the landscape of the food industry, it's, it's kind of divided between food tech and food media. Um, you have, have uh, like on one side, you have food tech, which is all about the utility, right? So it's mm -hmm. like, you know, your caviar or your Postmates that's helping you get it delivered to your house instantaneously, or it's uh, resi or open table that's helping you get the reservation that you want. So it's like really tech focused and utility focused. And then on the other side, that's where all your media is that you trust. So you have like your timeout, eater, infatuation, New York times, even Instagram influencers, celebrities like David Chang and action Bronson. So those are your trusted people. So, so there's mm -hmm. nothing right now that is connecting the two. And that's what we believe aided is doing is connecting food media with food tech. Yeah, for sure. So can you see ADIT expanding into new regions outside of New York in the future then too? Absolutely. Um, yeah. That's, that's, the big, that's the big dream is that ADIT is in every major food city in the world. Um, right now, obviously, we need to stay super focused as we're just a small team and um, kind of still in the building phase. Mm -hmm. But um, – we have a lot of demand. Like I said, from that, you just from that, if you go to that TikTok video, you read the comments, people want us in every, every city, even the weird ones. That's awesome. Um, but the strategy for us is to win in New York city first. It's that Frank Sinatra strategy. If you can't make it here, you can't make it anywhere. Yeah. And um, that's from a geographic expansion standpoint, uh, from a product standpoint, we're about, we're the simplest way to find the best food. And, what that means will expand as well. So right now when you open the app and you're in the mood for chicken parm and you pop open, you know, the, the chicken parm at Emilio's Bellato, right now you can go get it at Emilio's Bellato. But in the future that will expand into can I get that delivered to me at home? Can mm -hmm. I get the meal kit to make it at home? Can I get the New York Times recipe that featured that dish that shows me all the ingredients to recreate it. Mm. Um, there's a lot more that can be unlocked from that, which is exciting. So it's not, not only about eating at the restaurant where we'll yeah. expand. Awesome. So I like to conclude each episode with this. If you could share one piece of advice with an aspiring entrepreneur, maybe something you've learned or regret along the way, what would that be? That's a good one. Um, yeah. What would that be? 
I would say to set big goals that make you uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. uh, um, think about that end goal every day, write about it, manifest it into existence, take baby steps every day to get there and the universe will take care of the rest. I think it's, I think it's really important to mm -hmm. set those, those goals that really, really get you excited and a little bit uncomfortable when you're talking about it in front of other people. Um, but the power, the power of the word and the power of our minds is, is, um, is really, really, really important. And I think, um, people underestimate it. Yeah, totally. Well, Steve, thank you so much for joining me and to the listeners out there, make sure to check out Adit at adit.nyc. Yeah. And, uh, I also, I created a special password for your listeners. So awesome. if they download the app, it's starting small. So Sweet. they just plug that in and uh, you guys should be able to get in and check it out. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of Starting Small. If you would, leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Also, follow Starting Small Pod on social platforms to keep up to date on future guests.